We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Well, hey there, my name is Pastor Brian Hunt and I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads and it is an honor that you would join us here today. Uh, Crossroads Online, love you guys so much and I just wanna let you know that those chat hosts, they are available for you right now throughout the entire service. Any way they can help you, just throw a, throw a note in there, throw a comment in there, they will respond right away to you. And you should know that our mission here at Crossroads is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. So we want to do that any way we can. Let us know how we can help you. And just as a friendly heads up, next week we're going to start a brand new series that is called Essential. And I'm super pumped about this brand new series. And I don't want to give too much away with it, but we're going to be breaking down and looking at what is essential as a Christian. We've all had these conversations the past year about essential workers and essential jobs and we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what's deemed essential and what's not and what can we live without and what can't we live without. But, but what about being a Christian? Are there some things that we cannot live without? What are the essentials when it comes to following Jesus? And next week, I want you to encourage, I'm going to encourage you to invite some people, be a part of what's going to be happening and get ready for what God's going to do. And here we go. I want you to bring your Bible. That's right. I want you to bring your Bible with you. And we'll obviously have the Crossroads Grace app available, but I'd love for you to come and log in with your Bible ready to learn. But today's message is called Two Chairs and a Couch. Pretty original, right? I mean, this is a sermon that's based on a book called Experiencing Spiritual Breakthroughs by Dr. Bruce Wilkinson. And if you're familiar with Christian literature, you might have heard of his name before. He wrote this little book called The Prayer of Jabez. But in experiencing spiritual breakthrough, Dr. Wilkinson actually discovers and introduces the idea of what's called three chairs. Except in our world today, uh, we've moved a chair out of the way and we're going to be calling it a couch instead. And so I'll explain exactly what that means here in a second. But believe it or not, everyone in society will find themselves in one of these three seats, either a chair or in the couch. And by the time that we're done today, I'm guessing that you're going to know which one you're in too. And so throughout your life, what you'll notice is that you'll move back and forth between these seats. I've done it myself too, which means that we all have a bit of Goldilocks in us that we're going to find out which one feels just right, spiritually speaking. And for each of these seats, though, I'm going to give you a different word I want you to remember. So if you have something to write with, I'd love for you to write this down as we go. Take the notes in the, uh, in the, in the app. We'd love for you to do that there. But in online, you can do that same thing by unloading, uh, downloading the Crossroads Grace app. All of the, all the information is going to be right there. You can even email it to you. It would be a super simple way to take some notes. So let's dive in today and let's talk about these three different seats. Well, when you think of the first chair, chair one, here's the word that I want you to think of. I want you to think of the word commitment, commitment. So commitment is, is the word that describes this chair because people that sit in this chair are totally sold out for Jesus. They, they are part of a church, they are serving, they're reading their Bible, they're, they're praying, they're generous and they're in their giving and they live on mission for other people and for Jesus. Now, that's a chair one person. Everything comes back to a relationship with Jesus Christ because they are people of commitment. Now, what about chair two, though? Chair two people, I want you to think of this word. Uh, chair two people is going to be the word compromise. Compromise. 
And, and these are people who have, have some relationship with God, but it often is rooted in the past. They, they may have had experience with God, but they really, it really never took. They, they kind of have a light switch that they turn Jesus off and on with when it's convenient for them. They'll compromise whenever it's convenient. And so when you think of this, I want you to think of compromise. Now, the last seat that we have is, is the couch. And when you think of the couch, here's what I want you to think. I want you to think of complacency. That's right, complacency. This might be where an atheist would sit or an agnostic or someone that might have grown up with a faith, but they completely turn their backs on it. And for whatever reason, they have chosen to live a life of spiritual complacency. They're wrapped up in their own personal uh, pursuits. And they think, you know what, God is for other people, other people that sit in those chairs, but I don't have time for God right now. So these are the uh, two chairs in a couch. We have the, the chair of commitment, chair one. We have the chair two, which is compromise, and the couch, which is complacency. And, and what you see throughout the Bible are examples of all three of these different seats. In fact, there's a great passage of scripture in the Old Testament that shows us a picture of, of these. And it's from the life of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles with you today or those Crossroads Grace apps, why don't you open up to Joshua 24 and Judges chapter 2. And we're going to get there in just a second. And we'll talk about this guy by the name of Joshua as we do. Now, chat host, if you would do this for me, I want you to put the link in so people can uh, connect with the scripture right now. Uh, but before we get there, I want to do some background for us. And Joshua is one of my favorite people in the Bible because, man, he's just such a great leader. He, he was the one that was selected by God to take over from Moses. Yes, Moses, that guy. The Moses that led people out of Egypt, that, that parted the Red Sea so the people could walk across, that saved the people from slavery. And he was supposed to lead the people into what was called the promised land. But despite all that, God doesn't let Moses lead the people into the promised land, but he only gets to see it. Deuteronomy chapter 34, we get to hear how this is described. Deuteronomy 34, starting in verse 4, says, This is the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, this is God speaking, I will give it to your descendants. I've let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab as the Lord had said. So, so Moses dies, but God doesn't leave the people hanging. You know, they're not stranded in the desert at the base of Mount Moab. Instead, he instills a brand new leader, a man the people respected, and Moses trusted and God loved. And his name was Joshua. Look at verse 9. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. So, so Joshua gets to take over from Moses. Not a small task, but he, he ends up getting to lead the people that way. And Joshua leads them into the promised land. He establishes the tribes of Israel and this new land that God had just commanded them. And it's this, this type of powerful leadership that Joshua contains that brings us to Joshua chapter 24 and gives us a chance to read about exactly these, these different types of chairs. So we read in Joshua 24, starting in verse 14, it says... Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates rivers, River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
So as we read right there, that is an example of a chair one philosophy. Chair one philosophy, everything comes back to the Lord. It is all centered around a commitment to him. That's the type of person Joshua was. He was God-centered. He was God-filtering. He was God-loving and God-following. Man, he was a man of faith who led the people that way. Because here's the thing. Chair one people understand that they aren't leading God where they want to go. They are comfortable being led by God where he wants them to go. That's what chair one people are. But if you turn over just a few chapters in the Old Testament, Judges chapter 2, you can see in verses 6 through 7 how the people who weren't following Joshua so well all of a sudden became chair two believers. Look what it says in Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 6. It says, After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Now, on, on the face value, it doesn't seem to be too bad, right? It doesn't seem to be too bad. But, but notice what this is becoming. It's becoming a past tense thing. It said that they had seen and had done. It wasn't necessarily something they're experiencing right then. It was something only they knew about. Did you ever catch yourself doing that though? Like God might have shown up in some huge ways in your life. Um, maybe he saved your marriage. Maybe he gave you a baby. Maybe he provided you a job. Maybe he even saved your life from a life-threatening illness. And in that moment, what do you say? You're like, Jesus, oh, thank you, Jesus. You are the best. Nothing is ever going to stop my God. I will live for you forever, Jesus. That's where you're at. But then, maybe like a month later, someone gets that promotion at work that you wanted. Your car breaks down. Um, someone takes a shot at you on social media. And then all of a sudden, what are you? You're like, God never comes through for me in my life. Seems like he's always out to lunch when I need him the most. <laughs> you ever done that? Well, I have. I know I have. I do it all the time. I will forget all that he has done in my past and I'll focus on this little issue that I'm going on right here in my present. And I kind of think that that's what happens with chair two. It, it's not that we don't believe in God necessarily. It's that we've forgotten how powerful and faithful he is and we, we just kind of get lazy. That's what happened to the people of Israel. And once they started down that slippery slope, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't too hard to believe that they would go to the next seat. It was couch time. Look in verses 8 through 12. It says, Joshua, son of Noom, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his, in his, of his inheritance at Timnah Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. Look at verse 10 again. It said that they, they knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. The people didn't know God and they had no idea what he had done. Did, did you catch what happened though? Did, did you catch what happened? It, it, it happened in one generation. The spiritual erosion took them all the way from chair one all the way to the couch in one generation. 
Really think about this. It, it, it slid from their parents watching the parting of the Red Sea, seeing the sun standing still, being there at the battle of Jericho when all the walls came tumbling down. They went from all of that to, to not interested in God anymore. In one generation. So how does this happen? And what does this look like in our daily life? Well, Dr. Wilkinson actually shows us the contrast of these different chairs in, in several ways. But it actually is going to involve us asking ourselves some questions and then being honest about our answers to what they are. So for the rest of the time uh, together, what I want to do is I want to look at five questions that we can ask ourselves about the seats that we sit in in our life. Five questions that if you answer them honestly, you're going to be able to find out exactly which chair, which seat you're actually in. So question number one that we should start with is the question of who is on the throne? Who's on the throne? So for a chair one Christian, it is God. It, it, it's, it's God is first. He's, he's the first thing in their entire life. Everything revolves around a relationship with him. So our job and our family and our resources and our time, everything about our life is around God. God is on the throne. The great author C.S. Lewis would once said, he said that one thing Christianity can never be is moderately important. Your life should revolve around your relationship with Jesus, your faith. It needs to communicate that, that he is on the throne of your life and, and that he can tell that you're a first chair person because the carpet around that chair is really worn. It's usually worn because you're just like getting ready for the next thing that God wants you to do. You're ready to move and do whatever he says. That's what a chair one person does when God is on the throne. What about chair two? Well, chair two could be summed up with the word Us. Us. Uh, it, it's both God and us on it. It just depends. You know, sometimes I'm on the throne. Sometimes I allow God to be on the throne. But here's the funny thing about chair two people. Who do you think that they, compa- they compare themselves to? Absolutely. Somebody on the couch. Of course they're going to compare them on the couch. They, they, they will also, they'll say things like, well, gosh, at least I'm not uh, more committed than couch potato boy over there. Right? Because chair two never will compare themselves to chair one. Never. No way. You can't do it. Why would you do that? You want to compare yourself to the couch people. Now, when you think about the couch people, here's what I want you to think. They don't have a dual allegiance at all. They are very much comfortable. They are wrapped around this one word. Me. It's all about me. Everything comes back to me. It all comes back to, hey, how is this going to affect my life? What's in it for me? They don't have time for spiritual things. I mean, they want to make certain that every second of their life is for themselves. Right? So they want to make sure it's me. So that's who's on the throne. But what about question two? Question two is, how do we view our relationship with God? Yeah, really. I mean, how do we look at God? When, when you think of chair one, what I want you to think of is a relationship. A relationship. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these things down. Right? Write, write this down. Relationship, chair one. In chair one, people have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They are sold out to him no matter what. But when you think of a second chair person, I want you to think of the word religion. Religion. That's what most of these people have. They have a religion. They don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. They, they think that church is a religion. It's a list of do's and don'ts, rules and regulations. It's all about restrictions. In, 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 in an eerily cultural relevant statement years ago, Billy Graham once says, said this. He said that religion can be like a vaccine. And I think he's right. 
And if you're an anti-vaccination person, advocate, listen, listen save your email. This is, this is just an illustration. It's not an endorsement one way or the other, okay? But because most vaccinations, they, they have a little small amount of something in them that keep you can, from getting the full-blown something, whether it's a flu or smallpox or religion. Second chair people get just enough God in their life that they don't feel like they really need him to sit in the chair, Right? And that only, that could happen to us so easily. It could even happen to us here at Crossroads if we aren't careful about what is in that chair. As we said last series, we said that we have to decide what we're going to focus on. And when we, fe- when we keep focusing on Jesus and keep him the main thing, we're not going to fall into that trap. But the difference is, is that second chair Christians, they talk about 30 years ago. First chair Christians, they talk about last week. Second chair Christians, what do they do? They live in the past. First chair Christians, they live in the present. They are wrapped up in cultivating a relationship with Jesus. That's first chair. That's second chair. But what about the third chair? The third chair, I want you to use the word rebellion. Now, I had an eye-opening conversation with somebody back in Chicago a few years ago. A young girl, and uh, she was a single mom. Her, her, uh, her husband actually, I think, was in prison at the time. And so she was just talking about life and just explaining how she was making some really poor decisions and, and, and about just relationships and, and, and really feeling like, and we walked and we talked about everything. And, 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 we, and she understood that this was not the right thing for her to do. And I just remember vividly, after about an hour of conversation, her looking at me with tears in her eyes. And she says, Pastor Brian, I'm going to choose to sin. She chose to sin. You see, people on the couch, what they've done is that they've turned their back on the Lord. They want nothing to do with him. Their, their MO is, I am content to lay around my whole life. Totally fine with this. And this is where this bad boy has caught a lot of us recently. When, when COVID hit, the world turned upside down. And we've, talking about, we've talked about this at nauseum about you know, how lives were lost and businesses were affected. Marriages were torn apart. Fears set in. And our rhythms, man, they were just completely shattered. And so, guys, I'm not going to rehash that again if you're concerned about that. But I, I think that we need to be honest about what's really happened. And, and I know that at first, here's what happened. That all of us were on the edge of our seat, edge of our chairs, wondering what's going to happen next. And then as time passed, what did we do? We, we kind of... We kind of sat back a little bit. We're like, okay, this is a little break from normal. I'm all right. But then we got really comfortable, didn't we? And we just, we're like, well, you know, we're going to be here a while. We might as well just kind of let her rip, you know. And we just relaxed and, and we just kind of fell into the couch. And, and I'm not saying, and I'm not talking about like just physically, because that certainly happened also. And, and I just want you to know, if you're at risk or you're immunocompromised, I'm not saying to risk your health, but... But the couch can affect us, not just physically, but spiritually. Back in July, the Barna Group did a, a study. They found out that one in three Christians stopped going to church altogether. That's one in three people that used to be highly involved people in the church just stopped serving altogether. Uh, people that used to be highly engaged people that were in growth groups and studying the Bible, they stopped. Once highly evangelistic people that shared their faith and loved their neighbors, they just, they just stopped. And it became easy to do with, I mean, literally like church being delivered to you on demand. I mean, what kind of, it's a pretty good deal, you know? But I want you to listen to me very carefully about something too. Online campus, I love you guys. 
absolutely love you guys. We launched this online experience because we want more people to know about Jesus just like you. And God allowed us to have this place to be able to reach people during the pandemic. And what a, what a great opportunity. It's a true gift from God. So our online campus is here to stay. We're only going to continue to make it better for you. But here's the thing. No matter how you consume church, it doesn't mean you can only be a consumer of church. Because guys, church is a full contact sport. It's an all-in, get-your-hands-dirty type of commitment that is designed to see you discover Jesus, but then follow him fully. Which means that even if you are watching church on a couch literally right now, the goal is always to be a first-chair Christ follower, to be in community by being in a growth group, to be generous by giving to your local church, by serving and asking and using your talents to help other people. And guys, Sadly, what has happened is this has created some new habits. And in some cases, it's created couch Christians. And it pulled people away from God's desire for them. Because here's the thing. When you're on the couch, isn't this true that the, the longer that you're on the couch, man, it is so easy to stay here. Right? I mean, it's so easy to stay here. And what? It is so hard to get back up. If you stay on the couch too long, oh, forget about it. You start sleeping and snoring and drooling, right? It is so hard to get back up. But as a church, we've decided that it's time to get off the couch and get back to following Jesus fully. And and here's what that means for us practically. Is that we are coming up on the one year anniversary of really the world being turned upside down. I'm calling it the pandiversary. When the pandemic hit for the first time and we had to adjust everything that we did here. We went from meeting in person to everything online. And then we went to meeting online and then outside. And then we went outside and we started meeting in person inside again. And so we have online, outside and inside. And man, God has been so faithful during that entire time. It's been amazing what we've had to pivot and do different things in order to make it happen. And, and guys, it's been, it's been a challenge, but God has been faithful. But where we're at right now is that we are at the time where we need to take our next step. And it is time for us to add in our last service, our 1130 service back into our service offerings. And so we are going to be back up full scale on March 18th and 21st, ready to impact as many people as we can for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. We'll have 830, 10 and 1130 on Sundays and then seven o'clock on Thursday nights. And I know you're wondering, like, how's it all going to work? Listen, we're going to continue to have you register for the services. There still will be masks and distancing. We're going to take all the precautions that we can from our kids all the way through. But guess what? We are going to add in our full amount of children's programming again. That's right. Birth all the way to 6th is what we're going to be offering starting March 18th and 21st. And it is going to be a fantastic time because it is time for us to get back in and get back up and running and tell the world about Jesus as a chair one church. And so we want you though to be a part of it. We want you to take on the chair one responsibility, chair one posture and become part of one of our tag teams. The three areas that are most important to us right now is our kids ministry, our first impressions and the programming in our services. And so I want you, I want you right now to consider being a part of that. If you're watching us at Crossroads Online and you are able to, to attend the Crossroads campus and maybe you just are ready to, to get back in, engage, this is the time. It's time for you. But if you're part of our online community and you can't physically get here, whether it's for health or you live in another state, I want you to consider being a chat host. I want you to consider being part of our team in a different way. I want you to serve in a way that you can because I want all of us, whether it's digital or in person, to be chair one Christians and I want you to be a part of it. 
Guys, as Christians, we are to live on mission in our workplaces, but also in the local church by using our God-given gifts and passions to help other people discover Jesus and follow him fully. In our tag team, man, they get it. They understand that, they, that, that when they greet somebody on the patio with a smile above their mask or, or when one of the kids' leaders is enthusiastically encouraging that little six-year-old that's in the corner of the room it, just to have some fun and to learn about God. I mean, they understand that by doing that, they are showing God's love to others and it's keeping us on mission. So March 18th to 21st, it is time for us to be back up in full steam. And I want you to be a part of it as a chair one participant and get involved. Click on that link and be a part of what's happening here. But let me get real practical for a second. For a few minutes, I want to take us outside the church and I want to get more kind of into, the, into, the, into your daily lives a little bit. Because the last three questions we have to a- answer are this. Number, the, number three is how do we look at our jobs How do we look at our jobs? As a chair one Christian, we think of our jobs as a mission. We see that God has called us to them and to make a difference for him right where our job is not a job. It's an opportunity for us to tell more people about Jesus somehow, some way. And so that's what what chair one person looks like at at our jobs as. Now chair two, uh, they look at their job as a blessing. There is a blessing. God gave them their job and now they have an income and everything's going great, but it's all about the Benjamins to them. It all comes down about how much money I have, how much am I earning, all of that. It's, a, it's looked at as a blessing. But a couch person, they see their job as an opportunity. It's a chance to climb the corporate ladder a little higher, that my success in life is tied to my achievement in my job. I, I just need you to know something, guys. Your job doesn't really care about you that much, as much as you think it does. The company is going to survive without you. When you leave your desk, that last time, your chair will still probably be warm by the next person that's going to fill it. It'll happen that fast. And when we put our worth and our value into our job, the job always wins. When we put our worth and our value in Jesus, though, it pays out huge dividends. So how about your job? What chair are you in? Number four question we have to ask about is our marriage. If you're married married out there, a chair one person sees their marriage as a covenant, unconditional. We don't tap out when things get hard. We love through the good and the bad and the in-between. We actually believe that it is until death do us part. That's what we see it as, a covenant. But a chair two Christian, sometimes we see it as a conditional contract. Right, it's a conditional contract. It's something that might be broken. Now, she's not a role model by any stretch of the imagination, but Wanda Sykes is a pretty funny comedian. She said this once. She says, they say marriage is a contract. No, it's not. Contracts come with warranties. When something goes wrong, you can take it back to the manufacturer. If your husband starts acting up, you can't take him back to his mama's house. Can't say, I don't know, he just stopped working. He's just laying around making funny noises. Right? That's what we think, right? We think of it as a contract, right? This is what chair two people think. If things don't go the way, I'm going to slide out, find my receipt, and I'm going to keep moving on. But couch people, they think of it as a legal convenience. Maybe it's to enhance their reputation. Maybe to not live alone anymore. Maybe it's just to be married. Maybe it's a convenient tax benefit. But if it doesn't work out, oh, well, no big deal. Couch people view marriage as a Kleenex box, If you don't like the one that you have, well, just throw that one away and the next one's going to pop up right underneath it, right? That's what we see it as, as a convenience. Well, how about the fifth and final question? For my parents out there, how do you view parenting? Chair one people, they want to raise godly kids. They want to raise kids that are after God's own heart. They're learning to love him and follow him. They want to have godly kids. Now, chair two parents, they want to raise good kids. Good kids. 
They'll say things like, hey, now don't get in trouble. Don't do anything that's going to hurt our reputation. I just want you to be a good little boy, a good little girl. Now, that's what they want. Now, couch people, though, they want successful kids. The house they live in and the net worth that they have, it's all measured off of their success. It's about making sure that they have all that they possibly can. They want successful kids. But here's something to keep in mind. Parents, here's something to keep in mind. Second chair parents can easily confuse their children when it comes to being a Christian. And Dr. Wilkins in his book, he said that it's, it's usual that if you are a chair one parent, you are going to raise a chair one child. Now, let's be honest for a second though. Satan, he, he rebelled against God and there's, there's no guarantee that his kids are going to be a chair one person. But, but the, the, the most important part is that chair one kids, for the most part, chair one kids produce chair one, or chair one parents produce chair one kids. So that's usually what happens. But Dr. Wilkinson said that this is something that he didn't expect. And what do you think that chair two parents raise? Think for a second. What do you think? Chair two parents raise couch kids. Couch kids. That's frightening. But but if you think about it, you you begin to realize why. As, As painful as it is for us to hear about this, parents, it makes sense. When a child is looking for something real in their parent and instead of seeing something authentic in their, in their faith, they see hypocrisy, that's confusing to them. The child's going to say, I don't want any part of that. I want something that's real. So this means that as a chair two parent, you could raise moral kids, good kids that don't know Jesus and you would have failed on what matters the most. So, so here's the bottom line, parents. Listen to me. To produce first chair kids, you have to commit to being a first chair parent. Just have to. So how do we wrap this up? What's our takeaway, PB? What's the challenge here? What do we got to do? Well, let's begin with, with our first chair people. If you are sitting in the first chair, and as we've been talking, some of you are starting to say, super glad Pastor B had this message, you know. Hope you all people down there are listening up. You know, pay attention. He's got some good stuff. Now, if that's you, I should probably let you know that your spiritual arrogance is letting me know that you aren't in the first chair. You probably are in the second chair. But, but if you are in the first chair, and if you have felt challenged, I want here, this is my challenge for you today. God would want you to reaffirm yourself today. Reaffirm your commitment to him. In, in fact, in the Bible, we get to read what Jesus actually tells us in, in the book of Luke. Um, What Jesus says, I think, makes a lot of sense when it comes to this first chair. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. That's the challenge to the person who sits in this first chair. First chair people, it's about a daily occurrence of I'm going to reaffirm my relationship with Jesus over and over and over. And so if you are in the first chair, maybe this is easy for you, but I'm guessing there's a few of us that are kind of slipping between. We might really want to be in first chair, but we're feeling like we're slipping to second chair a little bit. And so for you, I would just tell you that this might mean that you need to start to serve again. You might need to start to give again. You need to get back in community again. You need to get over into the first chair. I, I love this story in our kids team area, in our kids connection area, kids tag team, that, that, that Sandy Mejia, who serves in our kids tag team, she was actually, a, she is a mom of five, including triplets. How's your day going? Right? She was, she was a dedicated to our kids tag team pre-COVID. And, and she said that she was actually nervous to come back. Can anybody relate to that? A little nervous to come back. But she stepped up, she stepped outside of her comfort zone and she started to serve at Christmas. And this is what she said. 
She said that God grabbed hold of my concerns, fears, or anything else that was holding me back and stomped them out as soon as I walked through the doors of the church. One little one, three-year-old named Chloe, filled my cup overflowing, she says. Her love, her joy, love in spirit, and laugh was all I needed. Listen, she says this. It was one of my greatest gifts to me in all of 2020. That's powerful. So for you in the first chair, it's time. Hey, it's time to reaffirm, to get back engaged. And for those that are seated in the second chair, though, here's my challenge to you. Repent. Repent. I have to tell you something about the second chair. So, so, so please hear me out. It's a dangerous chair. I've talked a lot about this chair, maybe more than any of the other chairs, but there's a reason for that. And I know a lot about this chair. That's why. I've sat in this chair a bunch in my life. And, and God's word says that faith without works is dead. It says that we, want, we should be doers of the word and not hearers only. That's why I'm so concerned about chair two. Because you might be even saying, oh, Pastor Brian, you're missing the point. I believe in God. You even said it. I believe in God a little bit. To which I would say, yippee skippy. The Bible says that, that, that good, that even the demons believe that there is a God and they shudder. That's what they said. So guys, belief is a good starting point, but it's a sad place to finish. So then there are some people though today that are, uh, that are on the couch. And in some cases, literally, I know, like I, I get it, online campus, literally. But on the surface, the couch looks like a really enjoyable place. But I'm telling you that this is filled with so much disappointment, more disappointment than drinking a coconut LaCroix. Like that's how bad it is, right? So, so do, do you know why though? Because the people on the couch cannot answer this question. It's a haunting question. What will happen after I die? How can I live beyond just this life? See, on the couch, there's no promise for them. There's no hope because they can't answer that question. That's why I think it's so important that you begin to realize that you don't need to be on the couch any longer. Which is why I want you to know what the Lord would want you to do. And he wants you to receive, to receive, to receive him. But if you're on the couch, you're probably saying to yourself, okay, I know what you want me to do, Pastor Brian. I get it. You want me to move over to the second chair and join all the Christians, right? No, please don't do that. If you are on the couch, I want you to leap over the second chair and I want you to land on the ground over on the first chair with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is time, people. It's time to live on mission. And I want you to decide today to get into chair one, make it your goal to never leave. Because it's time. Because this chair was bought at a price. This chair was bought by Jesus. And Jesus loves you so much that he would give his life up for you. Not so you can have a second chair life or a couch life, but that you can have a first chair life on mission for him. He bled and he died for you. He was raised from the dead for you. He ascended back to heaven for you. And he's calling you and me to live on mission for him, to live a first chair life, to give him everything that we have because he is all that we'll ever need. And at communion, we get the chance to be able to do that, to remember Jesus, to decide to be in the first chair and to step up and say, it's time. It's time. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and desire deeply to be first chair Christians, to be people that sit in the first chair 
that people that, that, that connect with you in a deep way, that want our lives to matter for something beyond just going through the motions day in and day out. But God, it can be so hard to get out of the couch and to get out of chair too. And I know that it, it, it comes with all kinds of issues with it. But God, what I pray right now is that we would see this as so valuable that we can no longer live our lives the way that we are because we want to have purpose, passion, and meaning. And only in chair one is that found. So God, help us to remember your son Jesus through this communion. Help us to remember his death, his burial, his resurrection. Might we worship you now and believe that because he did all that for us, that the least that we can do is live our lives on mission for him and to know that the next life that is to come will be so amazing with him. But until then, we are called to be on mission for him and to live our lives for him. It's time. We're ready. Help us be first chair Christians for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.